Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Good grief. I just put a cold rag on top of my day here. I didn't know anything about that. How come I didn't know it? Did you know anything about that, Alan? I did not. What's going on? Yeah. Are you sure that's good? You, yeah, you aren't sure. on that fake I news would, site again, no, are you I again? I never, ever, ever give false traffic information. So what will be the biggest impact? Well, initially it's beginning inbound, so it's really going to affect some of your Eden's Expressway, and that usually is like one of the easiest expressway commutes because you're you're bailing and you're dumping into the inbound Kennedy. So it's starting right there at Montrose, right there at that merge, right there at that junction. And because it's going to be affecting the express lanes, then you've got both directions going. Now, when we get to the outbound side of the Kennedy, everything's going to be a mess leaving downtown. Everything and coming into the city, you're right. Everything that just kind of feeds into that funnel. It's going to be tied up for well, two years. You know, years. I, you know, while they're at it, I think what we ought to do is just shine it. Forget these little patchwork things. Double decker that sucker. Oh yeah. Well, that's the only solution they had, because you can't imminent domain the whole Kennedy. I mean, you 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 don't have room. No. I mean, you can't add more lanes. You got to go double deck, like is California. That, is that what is done in California? Yeah, I mean, you got to double deck these things in oh, order to get okay. traffic moving. Otherwise, imminent domain, you're imminent domaining how many homes? Yeah. All the way out yeah. and, and businesses. So you got to double decker it. So I think, well, I don't know. There's We're so going many people. <laughs> maybe we don't. People are leaving Chicago left and right. So maybe <laughs> just keep things as they are. And in time, we're getting traffic's going to be fine here. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. We're off and running, guys. How are we doing today? Everybody doing good? Yeah. Yeah. We had a big election last night in the city here. Mm-hmm. In case you don't live in downtown Chicago like a lot of us do, or at least uh, live down here. Uh, Paul Vallis, the uh, first round winner. This mm-hmm. is multiple round match. Whoo! Down goes Frazier. Wow. Frazier, in this case, (laughs) being Lori Lightfoot, she went down. And um, we've got, looks like a two-way race for mayor of Chicago. As expected, no no candidate got 50% of the the vote. So this does lead to, I believe April 4th is the the runoff. Yeah, April 4th. Between the top two candidates, Paul Vallis and uh, Brandon Johnson. It's coming soon. Okay, a lot going on here today, guys. We're talking buzzwords. What's your favorite buzzword in high school, Allie? I forgot. As if. I could just see it was it. made popular. Oh. I, I just oh, remember people so saying funny. it because there was this movie called Clueless and that was yeah. really popular. And it, <laughs> so I don't know why that became the phrase, but it is so as funny. If. I, I, um, stoked was big. Oh when, boy. Stoked. I remember that one. Stoked. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so stoked, dude. And rad boy. Rad boy. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, maybe that was. Heard of rad, but not rad boy. Is that Alaskan? Yeah. Well, it might <laughs> be. It might. It might be. Uh, favorite buzzword. Oh, uh, th- that whole thing with the the Valley Girl. You know, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> totally. She does that well, way co- too well. The weird thing is, how do you do that so well? She was one. No. Them's fight words. That's right. All right, Young Thunder, which is yours? We know it was invented last month. That's right. Hecatite. Oh, my word. I don't. That's hecatite, man. Oh, man, that's hecatite. Hecatite is, is really funny to me. Yeah, that Dark one's man. classic. For a preacher's kid to be cussing like that no, is really no something. No, no cussing. 
<laughs> we reinvented and reclaimed that I'm phrase. Kidding. I'm not a sticker <laughs> Made it on that kind of stuff. Made for children. Hecatite. Hecatite. What do you know? What do you know? That's right. All right, coming up here in a moment, we are going to drill down on this one because, guys, I got to tell you, we can be enough in Christ Jesus. That's the cool thing, mm-hmm. isn't it, Allie? It's almost like you, you ever read something and there's a little, a little asterisk at the end. Yeah. So it's like you kind of have to read the fine print for that to be like l- limited supply only or yeah. some exclusions apply. So with I am enough, you almost need a little asterisk that explains these are the conditions that have to be present in order for this to be true. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. There is an asterisk there. Uh, I want to take you to Alaska. I want to take you to a super duper insecure moment for me when I didn't feel like enough at all. And no one could have talked me into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, just go there with me. I want to take you there. High schooler at Wasilla High School, the Wasilla Warriors. And uh, boy, I sure wasn't enough, let me tell you. Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. If you think about life and you really start mining and you're not you're not trying to prove a point or kind of get ticked off. Mm-hmm. You look at these buzz phrases like I am enough and go, wow. What's the driver for that? And the driver for it is a lot of people don't feel like they're enough. Right. I mean, let's get just real practical here. There's a that there's a lot of uh, pain. Yeah. There's a lot of brokenness, and yeah. we know that. And it's an attempt to kind of put on, uh, an okay, I'm I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. It's really a weird thing, and I was I was. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, I was uh, I, I had one thing that made me super insecure. I had buck teeth like you can't believe when I was a kid growing up, man. You could you throw an apple at me from 20 yards and I could stick that thing in the air. Boom! Right there on my front teeth. Yeah. I had an overbite in half. And there were a lot of more kids that had overbites back in the day because parents couldn't swing uh, braces. Overbites were really common, guys. That makes sense. Yeah. And but my folks popped for them when I was young, so I got those cleared up. And by the time I I'm in high school, you know, I was a sprinter and I was loud and always a leader type personality. So I didn't feel what a lot of kids feel, but I I remember a kid named Dwayne. I'm not going to give a last name, and I remember him crying one day by his locker, and I put my arm around him. I said, "What's going on, Dwayne?" He said, I just feel so alone, Carl. Wow. Now, this is this is in high school, mm. man. Yeah, that's not common. No. Mm. He says, I just feel so alone. And uh, he was a shorter guy, struggled with his weight a little bit. And uh, I just remember the heartache in his heart when he said that. So a couple of years go by. We move out to the valley. I'm starting to train for the Iditarod. And... I remember being disinvited from a party. Now, I'm glad I was because the party was going to be basically a seance. Oh, wow. Okay? No joking. There was a girl. Her name's Gina. She had a reputation of bending spoons and breaking crystal by thinking it. Oh, goodness. No, I'm not joking, you guys. Oh, no, I know you're not. And uh, so... We, uh, we, everyone was invited, but I got disinvited because I went to Wasilla Bible Church. Now, I wasn't a Christian, but isn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah. For real. No, no, seriously. Isn't that interesting? It is really interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
Yeah, why don't you not come? No, I was disinvited. Now, in retrospect, glad I didn't go, Really man. glad, yeah. But I remember walking into a band room when I got disinvited. I had never had that happen to me before. And I had two thoughts. Number one, I feel so alone. I felt like I'm not enough. Hmm. Just devastated. Like, I am alone in this world. And then I had the other immediate emotion of, what about all the Dwayne's in this world, all these guys that are hurting like this all the time? And I remember having a clear moment. When you're in high school, you don't have clear moments. Let's just be real <laughs> honest here. You just don't have clear moments. Yeah, no. But I remember having a clear moment thinking, holy cow, I feel so alone. And then, holy cow, how many people must feel this way? This is where this, this statement, I am enough, this is where it comes out of. Yes. It comes out of this vacuum of, Am I picking enough mm -hmm. yeah. of the I don't fit in? Uh, people don't understand me. I yeah, feel rejected. Yeah. I feel overlooked. And I think that those feelings are so pervasive. I think we assume that, um, you know, that if you're popular enough or you're pretty enough or you're famous enough or that there's some there's some place that you can get to that maybe you wouldn't feel like that. I, the irony is all those guys that get there. Don't feel but like the, that. It is the common experience yeah, you're and right. not the exception. You're that, right. I mean, and we see that play out so many times where you, somebody will have a, the appearance of having so much going for them. And then you find out that there's great pain that you had no idea. And you go, well, that person looks so happy. I think about there was a popular, um, he was a, a dancer and he Twitch. Did, Twitch is you know, one of the best modern examples. And I, think, my wife and I still can't get our brain around that, nor can our daughter. On the Ellen show, and he was a dancer. And he was, uh, so you think you can family, dance, Judge? Talented. And the dude was a dancer. Check, check, post check. these videos where, yeah. where he's dancing, he's smiling, and he's with his, his great looking family. And The day before he took his life. And he then was you hear off. news like that, and yeah. you go, wait, what? So. Nobody's immune to this feeling of, man. It's funny that you mentioned Twitch because I thought the same thing. And you, you look at a guy like Twitch, you know the gospel and you know how hurting people are without Jesus. But somehow you get lulled into thinking, well, Twitch must have been OK. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, Ellie? Yeah. You think it must have been all yeah. right. And so this sense of am I enough is so common. Ah. Oh, boy. And uh, this is why, this is why, Boom Crew, I need you to hear me. This is why we've got to be the church, man. The harvest is ripe. When Jesus said the harvest is ripe, he was looking at harassed and helpless people, remember? Yep, sheep without a shepherd. And my goodness, if we're looking at a world today, we're looking at a world that is so intoxicated with celebrity and being enough, and yet we all just suck wind. Because it's it's a it's an unattainable goal. Yeah, it's it's the carrot that you can never get. You can never get. You can you can get a little bit more money, and that doesn't do it. You can get, you know, better clothes, a better car, a better house, a procedure to make you look better, and it just seems just out of reach. Yeah. You can get into skinnier and skinnier jeans, and it just ain't gonna. It just <laughs> all it does is constrict your breathing. Yep. Isn't it weird how what life is? It is. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Okay, we're going to open up phone lines for high schoolers here. Junior high, middle, middle school, 
They don't call it junior high anymore, do they? So Yeah, junior high, middle school. So they do that 11 phrase. to 18, yeah. 11 to 20. Yeah, we want to hear from you. And, and uh, you've never called into a show before. This is your time. And we, uh, we really want to hear from you. I want to know a basic question. What are the struggles? That's it. What are okay. the struggles? Okay. What are the struggles? What are you up against? What, what hurts? What, what's the battle? I mean, some of these things never change. I, I realize that. But we want to hear from you. What are you, what are you up against? What's the battles that you're facing out there? And here's why. Because, listen, this I am enough phrase comes, is born out of battles. It's born yeah, out of a struggle. Totally. I mean, there's no question about it. So high schoolers, burn it up. Here is the phone number right now. We need you calling in right now. 312-274-9624. And mom, dad, if you're listening and you have a teenager, a middle school, high schooler in your life, you want to rouse them a little bit? Don't, don't wake them up with that, though. Hey, you want to call the radio station? <laughs> what? Go live? Yeah. What time is it? <laughs> That's probably what my teenager would do. <laughs> but if you've got a teenager who's up getting their day started, tell them to call us. We just want to hear what battles you're facing as a young person. 312-274-9624. Yep. This is your show, Boom Crew. We're, we're, we're waiting for the young boomers to come on in here right now. 312-274-9624. That's all we want to know. What are the struggles? We're going to talk about our struggles when we were back in those days. For Jonathan, it was... There's that voice. ...more recent than for the rest of us. Hey, true. Hey. Very true. I graduated from high school almost 10 years ago. Almost 10 oh, years wow. ago. Oh, wow. He hasn't even made it to a reunion yet. I have not. I have not. <laughs> I ain't going to those either. Oh, he is shaving now, though. That's a good thing. I am shaving way more than when I was in high school. There high school go. was zero percent. Now it's maybe like fifteen percent. <laughs> Middle school, high schoolers, call right now. What are the struggles you're facing? Come on, it's that open ended. Come on, give us a call three one two two seven four nine six two four. Gotta go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carlin Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, we're getting we're getting some action here. And before we get to the phones, I want to remind you of something. Do you have sin in your life that you struggle to get a handle on? Have you ever wondered, why can't I just get over this thing that I've been battling for so long? Uh, there's a book. It happened to be written by Carl, yes. It's called The Seven Resolutions. But one of the chapters is devoted to killing sin. That's going to be the thing that God's going to use to really help you get victory. But how? We want to give this book to you. It's going to be our gift to you for anyone who gives a gift for share before it officially starts. So a pre-share gift, you get a copy of the book. And I want you to get the book. So if you want to give early, take advantage of this limited time offer. Just text the word PRIME to 312 274 9624. Text the word PRIME. I want to get you this book. Text PRIME to 312-274-9624. Yeah. Uh, when you open up that link, be sure to click the box to get the book. It's uh, down on the page a little bit, but any gift of any amount, we'll get that out to you. Pumped to do it, guys. We're, we're looking right now for folks to call in uh, middle school, high school, middle school, high school. You're a teenager. Come on in here. 312-274-9624. Want to know the battles that you're facing? 312-274-9624. Bailey, first time caller in Chicago. What do you say, Bailey? How you doing this morning? Um, I'm okay. Good. Great. 
Okay, thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate it a ton. Could you tell us what are the battles that you're facing? You're in middle school, right, Bailey? Yeah. What are some of the battles you're up against? Um, so most people in middle school, they have this mask that they put on. Mm-hmm. And it's certain people change so that they can fit in. Yeah. But they're not the same person that they are at home. Hmm. Yeah, that's wow. That's good, Bailey. Thank you so much for calling in. Stay on the horn. You're getting a Carl and Coop prize pack. See how that works, Bailey? Pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in, Bailey. Boy, you, that's real. Yeah, that is real. If you are a junior high, high schooler, you want to uh, come on with us, we just want to ask you a little bit about your perspective, what you see in your generation. 312-274-9624. Let's uh, keep Bailey potted up here. I want to talk with her a little bit. How's that feel, Bailey, when you're going through this and you feel like, oh, my goodness, I'm... I'm um, I'm I'm around people that wear different masks at different times. How do you navigate that? How does that go for you, Bailey? Is it tough to live in a world like that? Um, so basically, it's just you trying to protect a certain part inside of you mm-hmm. so that you feel like you can fit in more. Yeah. yeah. Because certain people are going through certain stuff, and they don't want other people to see that, so they hide it. Bailey, have you heard anyone say this phrase, I am enough or you are enough? Is that something that you've heard your peers say? Unfortunately, I have. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think that means? What do you think they mean when they're saying that? I'm enough or you're enough. What do you think? Um, I don't really know. It's just that my mom just always says that they don't have Jesus. <laughs> You got a good mom, Bailey. You got a good mom. <laughs> Girl. You got a good mom, Bailey. Oh, man. Way to so go. So sweet. 13 years old, seventh grade. Waking up, giving some perspective to us. We appreciate it, Bailey. Thanks for calling in. Unfortunately, I have. She says, yeah. I've heard it. Yeah. yeah. I am enough. And it, But it's born out of a need to be enough. Mm-hmm. This and- burning desire to, man, she talked about the masks that people feel like they have to wear. And we're not talking about COVID masks. We're talking about that self you try to put on to fit in. Yeah. And so the antidote becomes, okay, well, I guess I'm okay, but I still don't feel like it. Yeah. Coming up here in a minute, we're going to take more calls from middle schoolers, high schoolers. Um, Awesome to have you with us this morning. You're in the boom crew, guys, and glad to have you along for this ride. But we're asking you, what are the battles that you're facing? What are the struggles that you're facing? We know that this phrase, this buzzword, I am enough, is born out of, here's the funny thing. It's really born out of uh, Maybe out of the younger set, maybe that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's for and everyone's longing to be enough. Yeah, this is why the book of Colossians is so powerful. We got a lot going on here this morning, guys. Coming up here, we're going to take more calls from anyone, middle school, high school. If you're in that age frame, come on, tell us what battles you're facing. Got calls coming in right now. Three one two. Two seven four nine six two four. How cool to listen to some this. younger kids here this. today, man. This is great. A lot of wisdom out there in these young ones, for sure. A lot of insights that we can gain from. Coming up here, a minute and a half, we're going to go back to the phone lines. And we got York Moore with us. We're going to get him to duck in here and share a little bit on this phrase, I am enough. He's got a massive TikTok ministry, 350 million hits on his site alone. Unbelievable. So you're going to hear from him and our teens coming up. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. 
Okay, guys, we're talking buzzwords all week long, and the one that we're tackling here today is I am enough. Now, we're, we're going to go in just a moment to Colossians chapter 1 because whoo, there's a three-step process that Paul walks us through here when he talks about the fact that all things were created in Christ, the fullness of God dwells in him, and then we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, the hope of glory. What an incredible truth. But going back to the phone lines here. Yeah, we asked for young people to call in, junior high, high school students, to give us some perspective on what you're seeing. Let's go to Maya from Chicago. Maya, you're a 10th grader. You're 16 years old. What do you see as the biggest challenge for people yes. your age? Hi. Hi. Tell us what you think is the biggest challenge for teenagers your age. I think the biggest challenge for teenagers are how they are deeply rooted in society today. And it makes it difficult for people to reach out and be friends Mm -hmm. or feel or be able to be different without feeling judged. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different world than when I was in high school for sure. Maya, um, uh, it's there's this phrase that we've been talking about today. I am enough. Have you heard that, Maya? I am enough. Yes. What's that mean to you when you hear someone say that? To me, it makes me feel like it's okay to be alone, or it's okay to just be different mm-hmm. and just be by myself. But then it's also okay to reach out to other people and tell them that they're enough and that they don't have to worry about certain things. Okay. You know what? There's some truth in that. That's what's interesting about this because uh, we had York Moore just yesterday talking about how some of these phrases, there's two sides to this coin Mm -hmm. because we don't want people to get shoved into a mold. But boy, it leaves us hang on the phone. Maya, you're going to get a Carlin crew prize back, sister. Way to call in this morning. It's interesting to hear from a young person what, what drives it and what i what i hear from her is its idea this idea that you don't you don't have to try to fit into some mold you don't have to be what everybody else thinks you should be and that that pressure feels heavy as a teenager so there it's it's great to hear what drives it and as parents as grandparents as people who want to influence young people in a godly way it's it's good that we have something better to offer that it's not just i'm enough because how i'm made was okay it's that no god has made me enough. And in Christ, that can really be true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. York Moore uh, has some thoughts on this. Take a listen. So there are a lot of buzzwords out there. Another one that we're tackling here today is I am enough. We've got a real cool pop in here with our York Moore. He's resident expert on this stuff. He's got a big presence on TikTok. God is using him. He's helping people become explorers into the truth of God and the story of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Good to have you with us, York. How you doing, my man? Uh, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Here's my question. Are you enough? I am enough, but that's because Jesus is enough. Okay. He has made me enough. <laughs> what do you think is behind this, uh, this meme or this phraseology that we do see a lot, this idea that I'm enough, kind of getting people to that place as that's the antidote to depression, that's the antidote to all kind of things is this 
realization that I am enough. What do you think's behind it? This one's a little bit of a double-edged sword because I think it, it depends on the context. I think for some people, maybe they're struggling in an abusive situation. Maybe they're struggling with depression, anxiety, those kinds of things. The danger in, in saying that, however, is that it puts the locational reality of, this, of the solution within ourselves. It makes ourselves the center of the universe. And really the bigger danger here is that when we apply it to gender or sexuality or these kinds of things, what we're really saying is that the world is actually the way it's supposed to be and we're the problem and that what we really need to do is align with who we are truly in ourselves, right? And so the problem with that is the world is not the way it's supposed to be. The world is incredibly broken and that impacts everything. God created the world good, but sin entered the picture and has ruined everything. And so for us to say that I am enough actually doesn't recognize the severity of the brokenness, how lost we are, how alienated we are from a holy God. And as a result, we have a fracturing within the human self. So this particular buzz, the buzzword is a very big problem. And usually, I think, lends itself to a great evangelist conversation if we can figure out how to enter into that conversation. Okay, maybe we can enter in, though, York, if we go back to the beginning, that we're all made in the image of God. There's a certain amount of oftentimes uh, Christians can often be black and white to our own peril. We say, well, until you're in Christ, you can't love well. But then you see a guy who's lost as a goose jumping onto a burning bus, saving a, a school-aged child. Maybe we, maybe that's an entry point that we're image bearers. That there is a mirroring of some good things in us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's usually where you need to start. And when we share the gospel, we need to start where we can actually affirm people that we are daughters and sons of God, right? And those familial language, you know, that we are fathers, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers. That's the language that God uses to describe us, and that has been fractured. So actually, I, I agree with you that when we start, we start with the, the fact that we are created good, we are created in the image of God, but then we whitewash everything because we live in a world of, of sin, and we say, yeah. well, God created me this way, and I have these particular interests and these loves and these passions because they're all good, and I need to embrace those things, right? And so that's, I think, that's the lie that's behind this buzzword. What do you say? Somebody comes up to you and they say, I am enough, meaning embrace everything that I am and I do. Somebody says that to you. All right, I'm role playing. I am enough, York. You live with me the way I am. Engage me in conversation. Where do you go? I would first ask, what does that actually mean for you? Describe what that actually looks like. What, what am I actually embracing? So when we ask those kinds of questions, what we're trying to do is create what I call cognitive dissonance. And I didn't create that phrase. It's a fancy psychological phrase. I paid $100,000 yeah. for that phrase at the <laughs> University of Michigan. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring people to the realization that there's an inconsistency with what they're actually asking you to do. And then we flip it around and say, okay, if that's true for you, can it be true for me also? And here are some things, what that would look like for me. The fact that I believe an objective truth. I believe that there are consequences for sin. There is a judgment day. There's a day of wrath coming. And that unless we repent, we'll actually be forever separated from God in a place called hell. Now, that sounds harsh, but what I'm actually seeing in my, you know, one of my ministries is on TikTok, or through my, my videos. And what I'm finding on TikTok, giving kind of a mega dose of sin, if you will. And what I'm finding is actually the more I preach on the objective consequences of sin, death, judgment, uh, I'm actually seeing people respond more positively 
then am I, if I'm just giving them, you know, words of affirmation and love and these kinds of things. You can't understand the love of God unless you understand the holiness of God, which comes with this understanding of sin, judgment, wrath. So I would say you flip the script on him and you say, would that be true for me as well? And then you bring everything that it actually means to be an authentic Bible-believing Christian. Love this. Our York Moore guest this morning. If you want to connect with him uh, through the ministry, and then also if you are a TikToker or maybe you have a young person in your life who is, just text the word York to 312 274 9624. Text the word York to 312 274 9624. Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carlin Crew Showcast. Just go to carlincrew.org. Remember what it was like junior high, high school, mm-hmm. especially middle school. Oh, yeah. Man, that was intense, oh, wasn't it? It yeah. was so intense. And, you know, I remember I was super awkward and everybody feels that way. So I'm not unique in this, but I had really, you know, my hair was curly and kind of hard to tame. And I just had these glasses that were ill-fitting and I just felt so ugly. And like, oh, I just, you know, where you kind of just hate to be in your own skin. Yeah. yeah. You feel that. And so you feel like everybody's looking at you. And I remember one time I decided to try like a fat. I took a fashion risk. And this was I decided to wear like some loafers and some like knee high argyle socks. Oh, wow. Yeah. This was my fashion risk. (laughs) And so I get to school and I made it through about one period. Mm. And I felt like and then I panicked. I was like. This is weird. I look weird. People are staring at me. And so I frantically found a friend who would switch socks with me because I thought these Argyle socks were so embarrassing all of a sudden. Bless your heart. (laughs) And I remember that. I remember frantically changing socks because I thought this was a mistake. This was the biggest mistake. I look so dumb. But it felt like, you know, 12, 13 years old, I was mortified. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, there's so many things about that age frame that it's like, oh my goodness. Right? It's like yeah. the, it's like the passage in time that you've just got to get through. Yeah. Yours was no, no problem though, right, Young Thunder? Yeah, no, no problem for me. I was just the, uh, the, the kid who didn't hit a hundred pounds until he was 14 years old, uh, and was way smaller than everybody else. And oh. it was a game for people who didn't know me to guess how old I was. Cause I looked like I was about 10. When I was in seventh, oh. which is seventh you don't want to look young. You don't no. want to look young until you're much older. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you're young, you want to look older. When that, you're old, you want to look younger. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That game wasn't fun. And and so, you know, I, I think Ali's right. And I think that most of our struggles probably came for how uncomfortable we were in our own skin that, you know, it, it feels like and people do judge you depending on how you look and if you don't look like them or how they think you should look and it's hard, man. You feel like I've got to make everybody happy. I've got to make everybody like me. I am enough is born out of no doubt the struggle that young people have, but it's played out all the way through life. And yeah. the question is, where do we go in scripture to find really who we are in Jesus Christ? And is it worth it? Are we enough in him? Coming up here in a moment, we're going to take you to three different passages of scripture in Colossians chapter 1. They're just super encouraging, man. I just hope you hang on for it. This is Jeremy Camp, man, getting started. And grateful we had some high schoolers, middle schoolers call in earlier. Just awesome kids, man. Good morning, Boom Crew. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. 
Are you willing to grab a 30-minute prayer slot? You just heard our friend Chris Brooks talking about Share, which is coming up fast approaching, just two weeks away. And as we've done before, we are building a prayer crew. This is just the members of the Boom Crew who are willing to grab 30 minutes and pray wherever they're at. A car, you're driving, you're in your home, you're at work, and you can slip away for a minute. We're a listener-supported station, and we believe in helping people take their next step in their walk with Jesus. So if you're on mission, you're on board with us, would you pray? Just text the word CREW. We'll get you signed up, get you all the details. CREW, C-R-E-W, to 312-274-9624. Just text the word CREW. I am enough. I felt the pain of not being enough for 23 years. Nothing could fill that void. The scream of my soul was, something's got to fill this up. It was such a desperate feeling, I don't even think I could articulate it to anyone. Really? Yeah. It was empty. There's no way I could even understand what was going on inside of me until Jesus filled me up. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul lays out some Powerful theology. I'm going to give this to you in three quick sections here. In Colossians 1, verse 16 through 17, take a listen. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Him is Jesus. Everything holds together. Okay, all power, dominion, authority has been given unto him. He is the Savior of the world. Then you go to verse 19. Listen to this. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All things were created in Christ. All things, all the fullness of God is in Christ. Now you flip this thing around. And those saints, those children of God, the Gentiles, something radical happens. Listen to this. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Isn't that cool? Apostle Paul says, there is something that I toil with with all the energy that Christ has put within me, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. If Jesus is in you, you are enough. How freeing is that? The most. I mean, come on. When you realize it, it what does it change? Well, I think it's a constant battle to continue to believe it. Because there's... You can be in Christ and still have your identity kind of day to day, depending on how you feel or how you feel like you compare to other people or whether you feel like you're accepted or rejected. There's so much pain that happens still because we live in this world. And it's that fight to remember the truth that God says in him that we, we are enough. Yeah. And to, you're right on, Allie. And the and. So the Christ, why is this so important to even be centered on the identity that we have in Jesus Christ is it takes all the temptations and all of the, um, 
identifying markers that are common in the world today, and it just strips those away. And we've got this incredible backstop. His name is Jesus. And I don't know where you're at today, but you might feel like I'm not enough. I'm not enough in my marriage. I'm not enough. In, you know, in Christ, you are everything you need to be. And then the more we get identified with our Savior and who we are in him and Christ in us is the hope of glory. Now we can walk in the power of his grace and we're not stuck living in the power of our own strength. And it's a powerful transformation. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, would you allow us all who are in Christ right now to be enveloped in your love powerfully and take hold of this truth that we are in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in us. And because you see us through the, the scrim of the shed blood of Christ, we're righteous. Not because of our works, but because of the work of Christ that he's completed. And I thank you that he's alive today. It's powerful, God. Thank you. And, you know, here's what's hitting me. You might be sitting there right now going, man, I am not enough because I am not in Christ. And the Holy Spirit's telling you, you're not in Christ. You might be in church, but you're not in Christ. And Christ is not in you. That can change right now. How? It's through the admission that you've missed the mark and that you were born with your back to God. And it's by appealing to Jesus, Jesus, save me from my sin. I see that you died for me. I'm ready to live. I'm ready to be enough in Christ Jesus. The only thing that we're warned of in Scripture is count the cost before you build this. Before you allow Jesus to build your life, I'm going to ask you an honest question. Are you ready to give everything over to him? What you were, what you are, and what you will be. Everything, the totality, right now, right now. And here's what's sweet. God brought you here this morning for this moment in time for you right now. Because this is your time. When you can be enough. Because Jesus Christ is going to pour his life into you. And you want that right now. I'm, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to have a cry of your soul, a prayer from your heart to God. And I'm just going to lead you in it. And it goes something just like this. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm willing to admit today, I can't do it. I'm not enough. Just tell him that. I'm not enough. I've proven it over and over to myself. But today I'm willing to acknowledge you are. Thank you for dying for my sins. Tell him that. Thank you for bringing me here, showing me my emptiness and my spiritual poverty. Tell him that. Tell him thank you. And today, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Past, present, future, I give it all to you. And right now, as this cry, your soul's just pouring off your lips or pouring off your heart, to God, you're feeling the weight of the world come off of you. Why? Because you are being released by him who is enough right now. Father, thank you for saving this person's soul. Yeah, you, I'm praying for you. Thank you for calling them out of darkness and into the light. And we thank you that 
we can't create the light that's good enough to make us enough, but you did. You are the light of the world. And I thank you that you're shining your light and your life into the life of someone, this person right now who I'm praying for. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. And we want to help you right now. Right now, we want to help you. And I'm asking you to get to the side of the road, get somewhere, get a phone, and I'm asking you to make a very important text message. If that's you, just text the word WELCOME to 312-274-9624. Text the word WELCOME to 312-274-9624. You're going to get back from us an auto reply that just has a link. Read it through. There's some next steps there for you. That's WELCOME to 312-274-9624. And it's such a cool mystery because you got up this morning and you didn't know you were just driving into work or you were just going about your day and you don't even know how you landed here or how God peeled back the blinders. But in this moment in time, you're ready to take hold of all that you are in Jesus Christ because he's going to pour his life into you. Just text the word welcome whenever you can. Get to the side of a road right now. Don't delay, and this will help you in your first steps with Jesus Christ. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. I'll say it slowly, 312-274-9624-7640. Welcome. You're enough in Jesus Christ. Way to go. 4948, welcome. You're enough in Jesus Christ. First time ever texting. That's it right there. Way to go. Awesome. Welcome to the family. 312-274-9624. Just text us when you can. Text welcome, 312-274-9624. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. We like to say this around here from time to time. There are prayers that can be prayed that are not answered. And prayers can be hindered. All you have to do is go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and see that when men don't live with their wives in an understanding way, it, your prayers can bounce off the ceiling. I, I, I've had men come into my office on occasion and say, Pastor Carl, when I'm praying, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, only to find out it's happening, Allie. That their prayers are not actually being heard. This kind of bumps up against common thought. That yes. Of course, God hears every prayer at all times of every person. That has to be true, right? Yeah, that's that's I think what we think and uh, kind of blowing that out of the water and giving us hope along this path is Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort's so well known. We'll bio him in a second, but let's just bring him right in. How you doing this morning, Ray? I'm doing good, Kyle. Thank you. And Ellie? Good to have you with us. Not all prayers are heard by God. That sounds crazy, doesn't it, Ray? Sure does, but it doesn't really matter until you're hanging by your teeth over a thousand foot cliff <laughs> or you're in severe turbulence upside down at 20,000 feet. That's when you want to know if God hears your prayers. Mm. And the Bible does give specifics. It does give conditions for prayers. In fact, the Bible says Jesus was heard in that he feared. And also scripture makes it clear, if I've got iniquity in my heart, if I harbor it in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It says in Isaiah that our sins make a separation between us and our God, so he does not hear. That doesn't mean God doesn't hear because he's omniscient. He sees everything, hears everything, but it means God will take no regard of your prayers, and that's when it matters. 
And so it's important to look at Scripture and see what it says about this. Because if you want to, if you want to meet the King of England and have a chat with him, you can't go in your pajamas. There are certain <laughs> conditions that you've got, that you've got to do. You got to, you've got a certain etiquette. And it's uh, like that with God on steroids. That's why I didn't get a meeting with the new king. That's it. Now I know. <laughs> Ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters, best-selling author and evangelist, yeah, originally born in, born in New Zealand, now living in the U.S. Terrific guy. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, Ali, when you think of the fear of the Lord, we don't think that that's... It's it's interesting to think that the fear of the Lord. We know that it's the beginning of wisdom, but your Ray, your your supposition here is that that really helps our prayers. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's more than a reverence. Let me tell you. Uh, well, let me share a Bible verse first. Jesus said, "Fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more, but fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell." So if someone's going to stab you in the throat with a knife, Jesus said, "Don't fear him." Not compared to the fear you should have, should have for God. That's more than a reverence. Let me tell you why. When I used to live in New Zealand, before we came to the U.S. 30 or 40 years ago, uh, the police, if there was a problem, would chase criminals with a stick, like in England. They didn't have guns. They used a baton or a baton. And so when I came to the U.S., I had a great advantage over the average American when it came to dealing with the police. When I was opening a preaching, if a police officer walked up to me, the first thing I'd think was, he's got a gun. So I didn't stand on my First Amendment rights if he asked me to move. I said, yes, sir, no, sir, because he's got a gun. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's more than a reverential fear. He said, I'm fearful of what the police can do to me. And Jesus said, we should be fearful of what God can do to us. Mm-hmm. Let me share something very personal about the fear of the Lord and how powerful it is. When I was 16 years old, six years before I became a Christian, I found myself at the back of a dance hall in the dark in the long grass with a 16-year-old gorgeous girl. And my intentions were not honorable. But she said something to me that put the fear of God in me, and I wasn't even a Christian. She said, you know what? God's watching us. It was like a bucket of ice that came from the heavens. And I said, let's go back into the hall. That saved me from making a terrible mistake. I could have got her pregnant and shamed her parents and shamed my parents. So I look back and say, oh, thank God for the fear of God because it keeps us from doing evil. And that's the sort of fear that more than a reverential fear, a fear of what God can do to me, that keeps me from looking at the pleasure of pornography and having unclean thoughts or being involved in gossip. So that fear can help us as Christians, and it can help us come before God in a way that assures that we have uh, his ear when it comes to our prayers. Mm. What does this look like to cultivate this on a regular basis? Because a a lot of our uh, conversations, a lot of the podcasts we consume, a lot of the devotionals that we read are about the comfort, the mercy, the love, the grace of God, which are all true. What's a healthy way to cultivate a proper fear of God? Move to Texas and sit through a a lightning thunderstorm where there's big thunder (laughs) and big lightning. You know, lightning and thunder put the fear of God in me in a great way because that's not even God, you know, displaying his wrath. It's just nature that he created. Lightning flashing across. It's terrifying. And so that sort of, you know, we've got this image of God as a, most of the world's got this image of God as an older guy with long hair and a beard sitting on a cloud in a pink nighty touching fingers with Adam. God is nothing like that. When Moses said, let me see your glory, God says, you can't see me and live. And God let his goodness pass him by. And the reason God let his goodness pass him by as he was in a cleft of a rock was that God's goodness would kill him in an instant. Like a judge in a court of law is furious with a raping murderer if he's a good judge. If he's not good, he'll say, oh, yeah, you're going to jail for six months. This happens all the time. 
But if he's a good judge, he'll be furious and bring down that gavel in wrath. Well, God is furious at sin, and his goodness, which demands justice, would kill us in an instant if we stood in his holy presence. The Bible says God's wrath abides on us, and every time we sin, we store up his wrath. And that sort of biblical understanding of God helps to cultivate the fear of God, keep our hearts free from sin, and assures us that we can have his ear. Ray comforts our guest right now. And Ray, I do believe we've been gospel soft and we've tried to peddle a gospel that doesn't even reflect the, the totality of scripture. But I've, coming up here, I want you to wrestle with this one because Jesus is one of those hallmark statements. I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. How does friendship with Jesus and fear of the Lord, it almost feels like an antinomy that Jad Packer talked about often, where there are two absolute truths that need to coexist. Wrestle with that one. More with Ray Comfort coming up straight ahead. Helping you start your day off right. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, we're talking about the fear of God right now. How does the fear of God affect your prayer life in an an unexpected way, according to our guest, author, and evangelist, Ray Comfort? All right, Ray. Yeah, because you knew this was coming at you, didn't you, bro? Come on. Because yeah, yeah. because Jesus calls us friend. He no longer calls us servant. He calls us friend. How in the world can you have friendship with God and a holy fear at the same time? Yeah, it's quite simple. But let me just back up a little and share how I talk with non-Christians because the image of God is so erroneous in the, in the unsaved mind, and it can be carried across to a regenerated mind just because it's baggage. I say to uh, people, uh, do you think God is your friend? Oh, yes, yes. He answers your prayers. Yes, yes, I feel him all the time. And these are are not Christians. Say, is he your buddy? Yeah, he's my buddy. Say, do you know the Bible says you're an enemy of God in your mind through wicked works? And that's what the scriptures say, an enemy of God. Now, let me see if you are an enemy of God. Have you ever used God's name in vain? They say, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. So, well, the Bible says your enemies take your name in vain. What you're doing is you're taking the holy name of God, the godly Jews won't even speak, and you're using it in place of human excrement. That's actually what's happening. You're expressing disgust using God's holy name. That's punishable by death in the Old Testament. And that proves you're an enemy of God in your mind through wicked works. And so when we come to Christ, we should not lose that fear that God can kill someone because they tell a lie, like happened to Ananias and Sapphira. It's a healthy fear of God. In fact, the Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You will give yourself to evil if you don't fear God, because our hearts are like moths to a flame when it comes Mm -hmm. to sin. So you can call God your friend, which we should do, not really your buddy, like someone you can take for granted. He's not a divine butler. He's not a celestial Santa Claus. We are friends with God because of the merits of Jesus. We have peace with God. But when we look at that cross, that cost of getting peace with God, we should tremble in fear at the cost God went to to save us from sin, and that should produce a holy reverence, holy fear. Wow. Ray Comfort, our guest right now. Uh, What are the four promises that you say come with fearing God? Well, let's just go to one because it contains four promises. It's really my life's verse. The fear of the Lord tends to life. He that finds it shall not be visited with evil. That's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord tends to life. He that has it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Man, that, that is just such a wonderful promise. The fear of the Lord tends to life. If you fear God, that'll bring to the life that's in Christ. Because without the fear of God, you won't tremble. You won't turn from sin. You won't be like David when he realized he had sinned against God in Psalm 51. That's the prayer we should all pray when it comes to sin. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your love and kindness, according to your tender mercies. 
blot out my transgressions. The fear of the Lord tends to life. He that has it shall abide satisfied. If you want the Lord to be a shepherd and you don't want to want, you want to be satisfied with him in all things, then fear God. And there's so many promises about that, especially Psalm 128. The first four verses are just so powerful and wonderful when it comes to fearing God. Ray, okay, so here's the deal, because we've got a lot of people listening right now. And some people were raised, their, their image of communicators of the fear of God are pulpit slammers, angry, I like to call them angry evangelicals, which I don't believe we're called to be. So how do you break, um, here's my heart right now. Someone's listening right now going, yeah, I was raised in this fear of the Lord. I don't think they were, by the way. I'm giving away your, your punchline probably. But I was raised with this fear of the Lord and I never understood grace. How does healthy fear of God and grace, how do those jive? It's like a doctor, he has a cure to cancerous disease and in front of him, he has a patient who thinks he's extremely well, but he knows, because he's seen the x-rays, that this patient's going to be dead in two weeks unless he gets this cure. So what's he going to do? Give him the cure when he thinks he's healthy? Absolutely not. That would be a bad doctor. Instead, if the doctor is a good doctor and knows what he's doing, he's going to get the x-rays out. He's going to point to this poison seeping through this hmm. person's body, and he's going to make him sweat. He's going to make him tremble. He's going to make him fear to a point where he will say, oh, what should I do? This is deadly serious. Please help me. That's when the, when the cure is going to be appreciated and appropriated. Yeah, and the way to produce a fear of God, to cause a fear and trembling, is to look at sin, look at the disease in our body and realize that lust is adultery in God's eyes. Hatred is murder. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Thieves want to inherit God's kingdom. And that'll cause us to tremble in that we're sinned and that we're terminal, that our wages are due to us. The wages of sin is death. God is paying us in death for our sins. That should make us tremble and flee to the cross, and that's what will make us appreciate grace. Yeah. It's the trembling yeah. and seeing those x-rays that make us appreciate the cure. I love this, because, uh, and I want to I talk about it with the three of us here for a moment, because this is important. I, I had a huge discovery a few years ago. I was preparing for a pastor's conference here and had a breakout <laughs> session, and I, and I was to be communicating the need for us to hate sin. And I started studying this in scripture and I'm like, I came to the conclusion, we don't hate sin enough. We don't hate it enough. Therefore, we coddle it too much. This is almost similar to that. You're saying we don't appreciate grace because we don't understand the penalty of, of sin and death. Absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a great way to get hating sin and uh, realize that sin is always married to death. They are bedfellows. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it shall die. So if we can't hate sin for what it is, we should hate it for what it does. Yeah, that's profound wow. stuff. This is good. This will make you think, right, Allie? Oh, yeah. I mean, this will get you cogitating. I love it, Ray. Um, I, I'm, I can't even let you go yet. So let's get a redefinition. If the fear of God is not a reverent fear, like is often called, referred to, what is it? It's a fear and trembling. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say work for your salvation through fear and trembling. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So it's good to study how user touched the ark and God killed him. It's good to study how the imagination of the hearts of men were continually evil, so God killed every human being on the earth except for Noah and his family. It's good to uh, see how God killed Ananias and Sapphira because they told one lie. It's good to read the book of Revelation so that the here stands up on the back of your neck 
or the book of Jude and others and Peter that talk about the fearfulness of falling into God's hands. I'd rather fall onto the face of the sun than fall into the hands of the living God on judgment day. When I was a young kid, I uh, got caned by a, a teacher. This was when, you know, teachers were allowed. We were naughty, three of us. We were brats and we were sent to his office. And this principal made us wait for 10 minutes, 600 seconds before he carried out with that sentence. And boy, did that hurt. But the pain of waiting for that cane yeah. was just about as bad as the pain from the cane when it came. It was terrifying to stand knowing that we're guilty. And I, I put this with all the sobriety I can muster. I'd rather be, I'd rather receive a, a thousand canes by the right hand of a most robust football player than be in my sins on judgment day. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And thoughts of that, of how terrifying it would be to stand in God's presence when he's holy, knowing that you've been doing things you know are morally wrong. You're without excuse. You've got a conscience. And every time you sin, you're stored up as wrath. And that day of wrath has come. That's terrifying. Man, Ray, I got to tell you, brother, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. And I think I had the same principle that you had. Because that, that, waiting, <laughs> that waiting for that paddle that my, my principal had on that day. Oh, my goodness. The waiting's almost worse than the punishment. All right. That's it. All right. We've got a we've, boom crew. We got a treat for you here. It's called How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. And some of you are like, I don't know if I want to read this thing. You do. That's the name of the book. Just do your search for wherever you buy your books and you will find it again. How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. Ray Comfort, the author. You can also check out the website, livingwaters.com, livingwaters.com. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.